A very good morning and a very warm welcome to Beckles Baptist Church and to our morning all-age service. I'm Tom Fenning. I serve as the pastor of this local church and I'm going to be leading our service here and a little bit later preaching as we continue our series in the book of Esther, that great book from the Old Testament. Um, our services continue to meet on YouTube at the moment. Um, you can easily find us by clicking on the link below where new videos will be um, put up and you'll be informed about them at your leisure. At each of our morning services, we endeavour to hear some greetings from different people in the church family that we would have expected to have seen if we'd been able to meet in the building. This week, the greetings come from one of the home groups, one of the small group Bible studies. It's the group that I lead along with Emily. And here we just wanted to send our love and our greetings from when we met during the week for home group on Zoom. Good morning, everybody. As a home group, we wanted to take a chance to say hello. We're going to do that in a sec. We just wanted to say that on this week, and especially this evening, we're particularly thinking of Morris after the home call of Avril, and we're also thinking very much of Clive and Gail, um, and we've been praying for you very much. Emily and I, say hi and send our love. Good morning. Morning, everybody. How's everybody? Hiya. <laughs> Hello all. I haven't gone insane just yet. Um, yeah. That's all I've got. <laughs> Hello. Um, missing you all. Looking forward to seeing you in church soon, hopefully. Hi. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hope to see you all soon. Hello, church family. Really missing you and looking forward to seeing you again. Hi everyone. Good morning everyone. I'm really missing you and can't wait till I see you in church soon hopefully. You may have noticed that uh, Mary who almost always is with us for home group was unable to join us then her internet was letting her down. Um, so to make up for that I've asked her to read the first few verses of the Bible as we begin from Psalm 130. Psalm 130, verses 1 to 4. Out of my depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. Well, having read these verses about God's forgiveness, let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the way this psalm wonderfully describes you as a God who is willing to forgive sin. We recognise that if you did keep a record of our sins, all those things that we do that are wrong in your sight, we would have no chance of standing before you. But thank you that with you there is forgiveness. Thank you, that means that we can not only know your kindness, but we can also be people who serve you. That's amazing. Please, please, dear Father, would you forgive us our sins from this week 
And not because we deserve it, but because the Lord Jesus has died in our place. And might we, with sins forgiven, stand before you today, confident that we will hear you, confident that we are loved dearly by you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In a moment, we're going to have our Bible reading from Esther chapter 4. But before we read the passage, we need to just have a quick catch up on what we learnt last week. Last week, we began looking at the book of Esther, which is a book in the Old Testament and tells us all about God's Old Testament people, Israel. In the book, they're a long, long way from home, living in a place called the Persian Empire. It is an empire ruled by Xerxes, the king, who appears to be powerful and amazing, and his empire seems awesome. But actually, as we look a little bit closer, it turns out that King Xerxes and his empire are a bit silly. Uh, We meet Queen Vashti, and Xerxes has one try at getting her to do something that he wants, and she says no, and so he removes her from being queen. We saw that the empire is a picture of our world, which looks awesome, makes us go, wow, but really is a bit silly. Uh, Then we also saw, after Queen Vashti was removed, that King Xerxes looked for a new queen, and amazingly, Esther was made his queen. Why is that amazing? Well, because Esther is one of God's people, although, don't tell anyone. It seems to need to stay a secret. And we saw that God, who isn't mentioned in the first few chapters of Esther, is is hidden, yet clearly at work as he puts Esther in position as the queen. We'll see that's really important in a bit. Another one of God's people who we meet is a man called Mordecai. Here he is. He has looked after and brought up Esther, And he works for the Persian Empire, and one day he saves the life of the king. It's recorded, but the king seems to forget. That's going to be significant, we'll find out in the days ahead. Then, this week, in a second, Austin and Oscar are going to read us Esther chapter 4. But let me tell you first up what happens in chapter 3. Because we meet another character called Haman, here he is, who King Xerxes makes prime minister. Really important, powerful man. And it turns out that Haman hates Mordecai and God's people. And so he sets a law in place to have all of them killed. They're in serious danger. And so Mordecai is really sad and tries to get Esther to help. And that's where we pick up in chapter 4, verse 1. Let me hand over to Austin and Oscar now. Good morning. Today's reading will be from, will be from Esther 4, 117. Mordecai persuades Esther to help. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sack, sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one went clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, 
There was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city, in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for the annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain it to her, as he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathak went back and reported to Esther what had happened Mordecai and said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all of the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces that for any know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they will be put to death unless the king extends the golden scepter to them and spares their lives. But thirty days has already passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For you remain silent at this time. Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will go to perish. And those who, but that you have come to your royal position for such at this time. Then Esther sent back this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa. And fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out Esther's instructions. Okay, so having read the Bible, we're now going to pray and ask that God would help us hear him speak to us. Dear God, thank you so much that the Bible is your living word. Please would it do its work in our hearts and would you help us be people who trust you and love you, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, before we look further at those chapters that we've had recapped and read, Esther chapter 3 and Esther chapter 4, I want to begin by asking you this simple question. When was the last time someone asked you this question? Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? It's a question that you might have been asked if, um, if you're playing a game, maybe cops and robbers. Are you, are you one of the policemen or are you one of the burglars? Or maybe if you're playing a game, you might have been asked this question. Whose side will you be on? You're going to play on my team or his team? Or what about supporting teams? Which team are you going to support and cheer for? Or, and this is where our passage asks us this question, is whose side will you be on? Will you be on the side of God's people, 
following the Lord Jesus, or will you be the side of the world? Whose side will you be on? And today, as we come to look at the story of Esther, we can continually ask this question, whose side will you be on, to Esther as we meet her in this story? And the question is, will Esther be on the side of God's people, along with Mordecai, her cousin, or will she be on the side of the empire of the world, ruled by Xerxes and by Haman? And as we look at Esther and think of this question, actually God is asking us the question, whose side will we be on? And we need to be willing to think about that today. But we'll pick that up as we go on. Now we're going to look at this talk under three headings, the first of which is this. It is this, the big danger for God's people. I wonder if you can do some actions with that. The big danger for God's people. You do that? The Big danger for God's people. Now, to see the danger that God's people face, we need to go and see Esther and Haman and Mordecai once more. Chapter 2 ended with Mordecai, here he is in the yellow, saving the life of King Xerxes. But it seems at the beginning of chapter 3 that King Xerxes has forgotten all about that. Because instead of giving Mordecai an important job, he gives a really important job to this man, Haman. He makes him mm, prime minister of the Persian Empire. There are few people more important than Haman. Just about King Xerxes, he's more important, but no one else. And everyone else seems to um, think that Haman's a good guy and a pretty important guy. When he walks past them, they each bow down in in respect and in reverence. They honour him except Mordecai. He doesn't want anything to know about Haman. And instead he doesn't bow down, even though everybody else does. Someone then reports to Haman that Mordecai isn't showing him honour and respect. And they also tell him this important fact about Mordecai. They say that Mordecai is a Jew. That means he's one of God's special people. And Haman, because Mordecai won't bow down like everybody else, goes ballistic. He absolutely hits the roof. He takes his hat off and he stamps on it. And then he thinks, hold on a minute. I don't want to just kill Mordecai. I want to kill all of his people. That's a crazy reaction, isn't it? Show you how angry Haman is, how evil he is. And we see all of a sudden, what was the... Heading, it was, there's big danger for God's people. There's big danger for God's people because Haman has so much power and he hates God's people so much. So in order to try and get rid of all of God's people, he does two things. Uh, The first thing is he goes off and takes some dice and he throws the dice in order that he might have good luck to kill God's people. Uh, The dice were called purr, and he throws them. And here's the thing, they land telling him the date on which he should kill God's people. And it just so happens that this is a long, long time away, almost a whole year in the future. Why did the dice land like that? Well, again, we see that God is hidden in this moment, and yet he seemingly is at work. Uh, But not only did Haman throw some dice, he did throw some dice. He also, we find, 
went to see the king. So Haman, having rolled the dice for luck, he then goes to the king for help. And he goes to the king and he reports to the king about the Jews, God's people. And he says that the Jews, that they're everywhere, but then he lies about them. In verse 8, we are told that he he tells the king that actually it's in the king's best interest to get rid of them because otherwise they'll get rid of him. And so Haman makes this wicked request of the king. He says this, let me kill the Jews. Let me kill... What a wicked request. But do you know what the king says? The king says something just as wicked. He says, sure thing. And he gives him his ring as a sign of his power and authority, gives it to Haman and says, you do what you like. Haman says, hey, I'll tell you what, king, I'll tell you what, I'll give you, I'll give you some money, I'll give you loads of money. The king seems to say, oh, no, no, it's okay. But really the king is just being polite. He wants all the money. And so Haman then writes some instructions, which he gives. And the instructions are evil. They are to destroy, kill, and annihilate all of the Jews. They are instructions that are to go everywhere and are to go to everyone. And they tell of his evil plan to kill all of God's people. And so, just like that, the instructions are given to important people that carry the king's seal and they go throughout the land saying how in almost a year's time all of God's people are to be killed. It is an evil plan from Haman. What does all of this mean for God's people? It means this, that there is big danger for God's people. And the thing to note about this, boys and girls, is this danger that came to God's people back in Esther is not a new danger, it is an old danger. So Haman, that that wicked man that we met, he's referred in verse 1 as an Agagite. It means that he is a descendant of a king called Agag, who's a really, really, really old enemy of God's people. You see, throughout all of history, people have been opposed to God. People have not wanted God to be their king and their lord. They don't want him to be in charge. And so they they wave their fists at him and say, God, get out of my way. But they don't just hate God. The Bible says they also hate people who love God and who live for him. Why? Because these people, as they love God and live for him, end up looking like God and shining a light on the world around them, showing them that there is a problem between them and God, and they hate it. And as a result, what is it we find in this story with Haman? There is big danger for God's people. And today people face big danger for living for the Lord Jesus. If you live for the Lord Jesus and you live in a country called North Korea or Eritrea or Pakistan, it might well be that you would be locked up in prison or even killed because you love Jesus. There is big danger for following Jesus. And living for Jesus in this country, sometimes we can get a sense of that danger 
It's more moderate, but it might be that our friends pick on us because we love Jesus. Work is hard because we obey Jesus more than anybody else. Society mocks and teases us because we love Jesus. There is danger for God's people. Why? Because we love the God of heaven who the world doesn't want to know and doesn't want in charge. So if, as we live for Jesus in this world, we experience people being mean to us, people making life hard, we experience danger of some kind, we first up shouldn't be surprised. And secondly, when we hear of it especially happening to other people, we should do what Mordecai does. He grieves, he he weeps about it, and he prays about it too. And that's exactly what we should do. We're going to do that in a little while in our service. But when we see God's people in big danger, we should be quick to pray that God would help them and God would keep them safe. Now, that's the first thing we see in our passage. There is big danger for God's people. The second thing we see in our passage is this. There is a big decision for Esther. Can you do those actions? There is a big decision for Esther. Let's pick up with the story once again. So after Haman's wicked instruction has gone out to destroy, kill and annihilate all of God's people, it's gone everywhere in the empire and to everyone we see there are two groups of people with very different reactions. There is Haman and and we're told all of God's other people who are deeply sad about all that is happening. They've read the instructions and they are terrified and they are praying and not eating, fasting, seeking God's help. Uh, But another person who's also one of God's people is somewhere else. She's in the palace. This is Esther. She seems quite happy because she has no idea of what is going on. But she then hears that Mordecai is sad, and so she becomes sad, because Mordecai is. She sends them instructions to say, Mordecai, get dressed into your normal clothes, out of the sackcloth, and come and talk to me. And Mordecai says, no, I can't. So Esther sends her trusted eunuch, a man called Hathak, to go and speak to Mordecai. And Mordecai tells Hathak of the instruction Haman has given, And he gives Hathak a copy of that instruction to take to Esther and to take Esther one other instruction. Go to the king and plead for mercy. So Hathak takes the instruction to kill, annihilate and destroy over to Esther. She reads it and she too now is sad. And he takes Mordecai's instruction, go to the king. But Esther, Esther... She's really scared, because what will happen if she goes to see the king? She hasn't seen him for 30 days. She goes to see the king without him inviting her. She could die. So she sends this reply back. I can't. I might be killed. I might die. I can't. I might die. And so Hathak takes this response back to Mordecai. And then this is the really important bit of the story. Uh, This is the important bit because we're now going to see Esther have to deal with this question. Whose side will you be on? Because Mordecai speaks to Hathak 
and sends these words to him. This is found down in verse 14. I wonder if you read that with me. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews, that's God's people, will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And here we see Esther facing a big decision. And Mordecai is convinced that God will save his people. And the question Esther has to face as Hathak brings that word back to her is will she be one of God's people? She needs to deal with the question, whose side will she be on? Will she be with God's people, which will face danger, but will be saved? Or will she be with the world, the empire? Because if she doesn't side with God, actually Mordecai is saying, well, actually you and your father's family will perish because you'll be found on the wrong side of God. Esther's got to deal with that question. Whose side will you be on? And as Esther thinks, she comes to this conclusion. She will be one of God's people. And all of a sudden, in this moment, she changes. She changes to become a real queen. And she now sends Mordecai an instruction. She says, pray for me, uh, fast for me, which Hathak takes back to Mordecai. And she says, I'll pray too, and then I'll go and see the king. And if I perish, I perish. So here we see there is a big decision hmm, for Esther. Her question was, Whose side would she be on? And she chooses to be on the side of God's people, on God himself. But actually, Esther here is a pointer to you and me. Because actually, there's a, um, a big decision hmm, for you and me. Because we too need to ask ourselves the question, whose side will we be on? Whose side will we be on? Uh, will we be on God's side as we live through life? Will we choose to follow the Lord Jesus and love him? Or will we go the way of the world? As we've seen already, if we go God's way, that means that there's going to be big danger from the world. We'll be quite possibly mistreated or marginalised because we love the Lord Jesus. But we're also told that we will know rescue. Like Mordecai promised, he said that deliverance for God's people will come from somewhere. Actually, we know that deliverance has come through the Lord Jesus. And so if we, in our big hmm, decision, choose to live for God and follow Jesus, we will know rescue. But if, in response to this question, whose side will you be on, we choose to live following the world and ignoring God... Well, the danger is that we will ultimately perish because we'll, be find, we'll find that we'll be on the wrong side of God. It's a stark warning, isn't it? So I wonder, for you today, how would you answer this question? Whose side will you be on? Because ultimately, the Bible makes plain we will never regret being on God's side, following the Lord Jesus. It is the best thing to do. So far we've seen, first up, there's a big danger for God's people. And then we've seen that there is a big hmm, decision for Esther and for everyone. Thirdly, finally, we see this. 
There is a small and weak saviour for God's people. You say that with me? There is a small and weak saviour for God's people. Remember, in our story, there is a massive problem for God's people. The instruction was given from Haman to destroy, kill and annihilate all of God's people everywhere in this empire. They're in real danger. What hope have they of being rescued? Well, they need to look to the small, weak saviour that God has provided. Who is this small, weak saviour? It's Esther. All of the hope of God's people who are facing destruction rests on a small, vulnerable, weak believer. She's just decided whose side she's going to be on. She's going to be on God's side, the side of God's people. And now, with real bravery, she says, I'll go see the king. At the end of verse 16, this is what she says, having asked Mordecai to pray with God's people, she says, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. She sees that she is a small, weak saviour. She's a believer who goes with not much power to see a powerful king to try to save God's people. And as a small, weak believer, she actually points away from herself to another small, weak believer. One who didn't have or use governors or armies to win his battles, but instead in vulnerability, in weakness, in smallness, he went to die on a cross because this small, weak believer is Jesus on whom all the hopes of God's people are placed. He's the only one who can be our small, weak saviour, who went to the cross there, not just to say, if I perish, I perish. He went there to perish, to die for our sin, so that we could know rescue. So as Mordecai and all God's people trusted in Esther for their rescue, actually, we all the more, Trust in Jesus for our rescue, who seems as he goes to the cross as a small, weak saviour. But he'll turn out to be a mighty, mighty king. So why does it matter that we can answer this question, whose side will you be on? Because ultimately we need to be able to say, I'm on Jesus' side. I'm trusting him who seems to be a small, weak saviour to save me from my sin. Many of us have, in answer to that question, whose side will you be on, said, I'm on Jesus' side. Can I encourage you to keep going with Jesus? Esther points towards him. He may appear small and weak, but he truly is a saviour. And if you've never come to put your faith in the Lord Jesus, never answered whose side will you be on by saying, I'm going to be on Jesus' side, I would urge you to do that even today. You can do that just by talking to Jesus and asking him to save you from your sin and to be your king. Well, what will happen to God's people in the book of Esther? How will Esther get on as she goes to see the king? You're going to have to tune in next week to find out. But let's be people who answer that question, whose side will you be on? By saying, I'm going to be on God's side. 
and I'm trusting in Jesus. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the way this story reminds us and teaches us that being one of your people is far from easy. It means we face danger because we're part of a world, or we're at least in a world, that is opposed to you and to your people. Please help us not be surprised if living for Jesus is tough. Help us like Mordecai to grieve and pray for others who are facing real hostility for loving you. And we pray that we, like Esther, would make that decision to be your people. Thank you that we can, because we have a saviour who may look small and weak as he dies on the cross, but is actually the King of Kings. Help us, please, to live for Jesus. These things we ask in his name. Amen. Well, having met Lucy last week, we're going to let Lucy help us recap what we've learnt by asking us some questions. Hi there, boys and girls. This story about Esther just gets more and more exciting, doesn't it? I wonder, were you listening well this week? I've got two questions to see if you were. Question one. We saw in the talk that God's people were in big danger. But tell me, is this danger God's people face A, an old thing, or B, a new thing? It's A, an old thing. God's people have always faced threats and mistreatment because they love and live for God. Because our world has rejected God, it often mistreats God's people who have a clear reminder that God is there. Above all, we see that in Jesus, who was rejected and killed because he loved and lived for God. Question two. What was the big question that Tom kept asking us today? Was it A? Whose slide are you on? Or B, whose side are you on? That's right, it was B, whose side are you on? Each of us needs to think, will we be like Esther, choosing to be one of God's people or not? That's not always going to be easy, but if we become one of God's people and follow the Lord Jesus, that means we will be rescued from our sin. Hope to see you next week as we find out what happens next in this amazing story about Esther and above all, all about God. Bye! Well, it's great to hear from Lucy. We'll no doubt hear from her again next week. And before we go any further, we're going to sing a couple of songs. Now, the first one is this. It is reminding us that Jesus died for us. It's called Jesus When You Died. We've sung it here in the church building before. And then we're going to sing an older song which talks of the words that someone might say who's decided to follow Jesus. All I once held dear, built my life upon. You're very welcome to sing these songs along um, in your living room or wherever you're watching this. Or you could just watch and read the words and think about all that they mean.
Well, having sung to God, we're going to turn to God and talk to him in prayer now. Uh, Many of you will be aware of the um, home call, the death of Avril during the week. Um, She died on Thursday morning. Um, Please do continue to pray for Morris, her husband. Um, We're going to pray for him in just a sec. We also heard news of the diagnosis of Clive's cancer being back. We're going to be praying for him and for Gail too. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that as a group of your people, we're called to love and care for each other. Father, we thank you that we can pray for one another now, and we want to very especially commit Morris to you after the very sad news that Avril, his dear wife, died on Thursday. Father, thank you that Avril had a clear trust in the Lord Jesus and a deep love for him. Thank you so much for your mercy to her in calling her to trust the Lord Jesus. And thank you for your sustaining grace to Morris as he's dealt with the difficulty of seeing his wife very ill this week. Father, thank you for your mercy in the doctors and nurses that have cared for Avril. Thank you for helping Morris as he's cared for her too. And thank you now that Avril is with the Lord Jesus, free from pain, enjoying her future hope that is certain. And yet, knowing that that is where she is, it still breaks our heart to think that she is she's not here. That we grieve the loss of her. She is such a blessing to our church. And we pray very especially that you be of deep comfort to Morris. Have mercy upon him, we pray. Help us care for him, encourage him, and pray for him. And Father, we want to pray too for uh, Clive and for Gail as he anticipates further treatment for this cancer. We pray, dear Father, that um, his meeting he has this week with the doctors would be helpful and the treatment that he has be effective. We'd long, our Father, please, that you might heal him. But if that is not your will, dear Father, please, please, would you help this treatment be effective so that the cancer might again be put in remission. Please help him and Gail continue to trust you and love you. Father, we want to pray, too, in a moment of silence for other people. There are plenty of people in need of our prayers, so we just mention them to you in the silence of our own hearts. Thank you, our Father, that you've heard all of these people that we've mentioned. We commit them into your hands. Father, we want to pray also for our nation as we begin to come out of lockdown Father, we pray very much for the government that you'd give them great wisdom as they try to plan a wise way forward with restrictions being lifted. Help them make good and wise plans. And please, our Father, would the progress of this virus be halted and would you keep people safe? And we pray that you'd give us wisdom and care as a church as we work out how we are able to meet back together. Might we genuinely care for everyone, whether people feel able to meet here or not, And please, our Father, would you help us take every opportunity to love and encourage one another. Father, as we close our prayers, we do want to think of believers in the Lord Jesus who face real difficulty following Christ. People in North Korea, Eritrea, Pakistan and other countries where they are imprisoned, even killed for living for Jesus. Father, please would you help these believers keep going with Jesus. 
Would you strengthen their faith and sustain them, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Before we conclude, there are a few notices that I need to mention to you. First up, to say that for grown-ups to work through with their children, there are family worksheets available on the church website and also have been emailed out to you. There is also a playlist of songs which is available on our YouTube account. Uh, You'll be able to find it there for songs to sing along to in response to all that we've been learning. And then this evening at 6.30 we have our evening service. We're continuing in our series looking at the book of 1 John, entitled Confident Christianity, at which Peter Skerritt, our assistant pastor, is preaching. Then looking to the week, there are two meetings I should tell you about for the week. The first is on Wednesday, that is the identity course. It's a course for people wanting either to brush up on the basics of what it means to be a Christian or to find out what it really means for people who wouldn't call themselves a Christian. Uh, We're beginning the second week on Wednesday at 8pm. If you'd like to join, please do get in touch with uh, Peter His email will be on the bottom of the screen. Um, You can just get in touch with him there and he'll send you the details of how you might join. The identity course looks into the life of the Lord Jesus and what it means to follow him and also tackles some big questions that people often ask of Christianity. Uh, This week it's got to look at uh, what does the Bible have to say about other religions. That's on Wednesday, 8 p.m., Then Thursday at 7.30pm, we have a members meeting. Uh, Details should have come out to you if you're a church member, either by email or by telephone. Um, This is happening, our members meeting on Zoom. Um, And this is one of the very few meetings that we run each year that's available just for our church members. So if you're not a member, please do bear with us. Do please pray for us as we meet um, to talk about some things that are coming up in the weeks and months ahead. So that's our members meeting on Zoom. 7.30 on Thursday. If for whatever reason you're a member and you've not received details about that, do please get in contact with me. Um, My email address is on the bottom of the screen now um, and I'll gladly help you get the details you need. Then finally, I need to tell you about next Sunday, Sunday the 12th of July, because there are a number of things that are changing. You will have noticed that the government's um, relaxation of the lockdown has come into effect with uh, pubs and restaurants being open as well as play parks. Um, uh, many of us are enjoying making use of those. But also churches are now allowed to gather together. And so from next Sunday, we're going to begin running some services here in our building. Where we're able to meet physically. Um, you should almost all have received details about that. If you've not, you can go on our church website to read more. But the headlines are this. At both 9.15 and 11.15, we're running services here in the church building for all those who feel able to come. For those who don't feel able or inappropriate for them to come at this point, our service is going to be pre-recorded and broadcast on our YouTube channel, but at a different time, at 11.15. So at the same time that people are gathering in the building here, you can join us on YouTube We're going to do all that we can to make sure that we care for people, whether you feel able to come to a church service here in the building or not. Um, But if there's anything that's concerning you or anything that you don't understand, do please make contact with us and we'll seek to help you in that. Then just to say the one other change next Sunday is that given all the effort that we're having to put in to run the services physically here in the church building in line with the government guidance, We're not going to be running an evening service as per normal, but instead we're going to be running a prayer meeting 
on Zoom. More details about that will be coming in the days ahead. That's enough notices from me. We'd simply end by encouraging you to make good use of all the opportunities now to meet with one another, um, encourage one another, now that we're able to meet in one another's homes a bit, we'd encourage you to do that. But why not, if you've got the chance now, pick up the phone and talk, talk to someone from church, encourage them, maybe even pray with them. Thanks so much for joining us for our morning service. May you know God's goodness and kindness as you serve him in the days ahead.